What is up, everybody? Happy Friday. Welcome to the D&D Sports Show. I'm Daniel. And I'm David. And we had a couple day, uh, couple games going on tonight, and we had Thursday Night Football last night. We're going to talk some college football preview this weekend, and we're going to try a new segment later on in the show just to see what you guys think about it. So why don't we kick it right off and go straight into some Thursday Night Football? Yeah, it was a uh, pretty interesting, pretty interesting game uh, between two teams who are really struggling in in uh, in the NFC least. Um, obviously, the the game was kind of highlighted by uh, a long touchdown run that was negated by a blade of grass um, <laughs> that that tripped up Daniel Jones, as well as. Uh, you know, the late game heroics from uh, Carson Wentz to will his team back when he was down uh, 11 points with five minutes to go. Um, so my takeaways from this game, you cannot trust an Eagles receiver um, in fantasy, and there's, there's absolutely no reason to trust a Giants running back with Saquon being out. Um, 100% agree. I mean, everybody was riding Devontae Freeman hard, like going into this week, like, Hey, he's going to have a great game, solid game. He was going to have eight total yards and then gets hurt in the end of the, towards the end of the fourth quarter. Um, you know, you're having a rough night when your uh, lead rusher is your quarterback who had four carries for 92 yards. And one of those was an 80 yard run where he spent about 10 yards falling before he finally decided to hit the ground. Um, so my takeaways is this whole Giants offense is struggling hardcore. I mean, Daniel Jones went 20 for 30, 187 yards, two TDs and an interception against not a great defense from Philadelphia. I mean, I guess you have to give credit to the Eagles defense for showing up in a game where they beat a one in five team by one point. I mean, I don't really know where, where to go with this game because there wasn't really many good takeaways. Yeah. And I mean, it's going to take, it's going to take, you know, obviously you're going to have to take advantage of every game that you play in this division. Um, when you play against the, uh, your division opponents. So the Philadelphia Eagles, obviously escape. I would like to use the word escaped, uh, with a victory because it's kind of, uh, it was definitely not a pretty game by any means. No, not at all. But I would like to say Carson Wentz did actually look relatively well in, during this game. I mean, he struggled early, don't get me wrong. But 359, two touchdowns, interception. I mean, he put up he put up yards. He just, you know, he struggled. He couldn't – he wasn't making really crisp passes. You know, he got away with some things that probably could have been picked. But – you know, QBR 55, I mean, yeah, he can throw for yards, but he's not doing anything to further his team to win games, which is why they are 2-4-1. and one. Yeah, and it's it's never easy when, you know, you can't really get the running game going. Obviously, the loss of Miles Sanders was very evident in this game. Um, the running back situation for all of the NFC East teams kind of in limbo after this weekend um, was Zeke having those fumbling issues and Miles Sanders being out. Uh, Saquon obviously going down early this season and then who who are they going to play in Washington is the big decision week in and week out so it's it's going to be one of those things that they're going to have to figure out um, 
somebody's going to have to just buck up and take the lead here. Um, I think with with the loss of Dak to the Cowboys, I really think that this is Philadelphia's uh, division, and I think that they have to just have to figure out a way to, you know, bring the defense week in and week out. Because if they had a defense, you know, the last few weeks, it'd be they'd be sitting at probably you know uh, four and three, maybe you know, uh, definitely would not be two four and one. Oh, uh, but after watching this Eagles team, given that this whole NFC lease division plays out the way we think it's going to play out. Do the Eagles have a chance to maybe squeak out of this division with a title this year? I think that, that I think the huge game in here, and obviously it's only huge uh, because it ended the way that it did, but them playing for the tie, I think that in the ultimate scheme of things might come down in the wire and might give them the, the edge over a team who maybe lost a close game. Um, like when the Cowboys lost, you know, uh, against uh, Cleveland, I think, you know, like those close games, I know that in theory, we all were pissed off at the Philadelphia for not go- going for it, at least trying a field goal with uh, Jake Elliott, who actually uh, forgot to mention kind of struggled in this game. Um, so with that being said, I do think that the Eagles sneak into the playoffs and I'm going to just take a stab and say they go seven Seven, eight, and one. I guess it's just, it just can't. It's not going to be much higher than that. Maybe I mean maybe flip it. It could be eight, seven, and one. But it, definitely no higher than eight, seven, and one. Well, maybe further down the road, we're talking about how this tie actually could have played played an advantage to them getting into the playoffs. But the last thing I want to touch on about this game is Deshaun Jackson. Um, obviously. Hopefully he recovers well. Was carted off in the fourth uh, fourth quarter last night. Did not return, obviously, to the game. Um, I hope he get you know he recovers well and he gets back on that field soon enough. Yeah, and he's he you know unfortunately he's one of those really streaky players who you know it depends on his uh, his um, injury status you know and how his body's holding up because he can be a really explosive weapon um, in the past game, but unfortunately with just the way that the season's gone he hasn't really been able to live up to that uh, potential um, that he has in the past. So it'll be interesting to see, like I said, the, the two takeaways, just to reiterate them, don't trust a Eagles receiver and definitely do not trust a Giants running back. All right. Well, going from the Thursday night skunker game to game three of the world series tonight. Uh, what were your takeaways from game two? Um, you know, watching game two, uh, it finally got the the offense that I've seen the Rays use to, you know, um, beat opponents in this playoffs have finally kind of caught up to them. Um, it, it was good to see uh, Brandon Lowe kind of get his footing here in this World Series early. I know that he's going to be a really huge factor for, uh, for their success. Um, he's always been able to uh, – He's always been able to kind of hit in that uh, fourth position. So it's going to be important for them that, you know, the top, the top four or five batters um, to figure it out um, for Tampa in order for them to have a chance. And, but I'd like to flip, flip it real quick on the other side of things. um, I will say, even though it was a, it was a losing effort, um, the Dodgers did the, uh, the Dodgers did, um, struggle early and I think that that's going to be important you know who's going to step up um, is Walker Bueller going to step up uh, in game three and give them a quality start but 
if you get to the bullpen early, this bullpen is not going to be able to hold up in, in, in my, in my opinion. Um, yeah. And it turned, this game turned into, and I kind of, once I saw the game progress, I kind of expected this actually to be a bullpen game. And that's what we got. Um, <laughs> they were trying to give, uh, some key pitchers in try just to test out how they would handle Tampa Bay's uh, lineup. And we learned some key matchups that we'll, we're going to see later on in the series that, you know, are going to come down to the uh, seventh, eighth and ninth that we're going to, that will be vital to which team comes out on top at the end of this uh, world series. But I'm very interested to see how Walker Bueller pitches tonight. I think he right now is their number one starter over Kershaw, he's looked more crisp and sharp in the postseason than Kershaw has. And um, on the flip side, Charlie Morton is going to the hill for uh, Tampa. So I think just in this keep, in this uh, pitching standoff alone, I think Walker Buehler does have the edge tonight. But like you said, when you're uh, – these offenses have to get going quickly and fast. So – Jump on the pitches early, jump on the pitchers, you know, first, second inning, try to get into that Dodgers bullpen. I think the Rays might have figured something out second game too. Yeah, and I mean, of course, it's it, it, the biggest issue is, you know, what, who's going to show up and who's going to perform on a certain day. Um, as you've seen from, from the past, uh, anybody can really be the hero, um, especially in the World Series, you know, the most unlikely of characters, so – which is going to be interesting to see. Um, I hope hope to see. Uh, I hope to see everybody kind of you know get the ball rolling. Um, hopefully, um, hopefully we'll see you know a uh, a more uh, balanced attack from Tampa um, t- today. Um, I know that they obviously kind of uh, kind of use the long ball to their advantage. Um, so we're, it's just going to be interesting to see. Um, with that being said, I, that's all I really got to talk about this game because it's it's really just a coin flip series. Like I really I like I said coming into this, it's really anybody's game. I mean, Dodgers have obviously have the experience and you know the uh, I guess they would have the advantage. You know, obviously they had the better record in the regular season, the big free agent signings and everything that they always have week uh, year in and year out. But I mean this Rays team is just finding a way to just stick around and make this thing a series. So, I mean, it's, it's really hard not to, you know, root them on. Um, and they get it done in the exact opposite way that every other team of this caliber, you know, plays ball. Everyone goes for the long ball. The Rays, my favorite thing when I was learning baseball was you hit home runs by accident. You know, you make good contact, you're aiming for doubles, home runs happen on accident. So I think this is the philosophy that the Rays have, you know, they're aiming for um, they're going to single you or double you to death. If they hit a home run, good. That's not what they wanted to do, but you know, it works to their advantage. They're playing small ball. And I think that is a lost art in this, uh, in the MLB these days. And it's, it's nice to see a team go back to, you know, the basics and just show you that, they can still be productive and play at high levels of baseball through this uh, type of style. Yeah. And it's a good switch up from the normal, you know, the perennial contenders who rely on the long ball, um, like the Astro teams of the past. Um, 
the Red Sox, you know, even dating back all the way to uh, when the Cubs uh, made that run to the World Series. Um, it's always been the long ball. Um, it's just how the league is really developed. You know, a lot of a lot of uh, GMs uh, give the players opportunity. You know, you, you can go up there and strike out, uh, you know, a, a million times. And as long as you hit, uh, you know, a million home runs, it's 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 you're going to you're going to have a starting position. Um, because the the long ball is so important in this league, so it, it it it's nice to see you know them taking advantage of you know singles, doubles, um, not trying to do too much. You know, I I thought that that at bat uh, by uh, Wendell in the sixth. I don't know if you caught that, but where he you know he just took what he could get. He got the sacrifice fly and to bring in the sixth. Uh, you know that extra insurance run that ultimately really helped them. So it'll be interesting uh, to see how if if that if that continues for them if they can continue to get to Walker Bueller early I think that there's no reason that the Rays can't can't get to him early um but they they have to hit him early and often uh if he starts getting into a roll three four innings into the game it's going to be a tough road for them yes uh but this is this is the swing game you know this is what the momentum rides on a win in game three really could propel you to maybe take this in five we don't know it's just all dependent on you win tonight, you carry that momentum. Game four, you start rolling. Maybe you all find a groove, and it just plays out better for you. Or we could see the, we could see this go all the way to seven, which I think is best for everybody because they'll, it'll really get to show the um, how deep each team is able to carry the series. Yeah, but look forward to watching it. Uh, game three does uh, – does go on tonight first pitch is slated for 708 uh central time so it'll be interesting it'll be interesting to see all right and i know you've been dying to get to get up on some uh, college football so why don't you go ahead and start us off yeah you know it's a big weekend for college um huge weekend uh big 10 returns to the gridiron um uh it's it's always it's always interesting to see you know them you know, talk so highly of Big Ten football, you know, defense, all this. And I always love seeing the Big Ten uh, teams fall short year in and year out. Um, so that being said, it does bring some intriguing matchups with it. We're just going to start rolling through the Big Ten matchups. Uh, one of them that I want to talk about, and there's not a lot of people are talking about this, is is this, um, is this Penn State-Indiana game. Now, I know that a lot of people have never really been, you know, obviously Indiana not really known for, you know, more probably known for their basketball program than their football program, but it's going to take Penn state playing, playing at an elite level to beat this Indiana team, because I've seen this Indiana team in the past. And I know that I, I think they're, they kind of had a little bit of a, a heavy turnover, um, as well as they've lost a few guys to uh, injuries during their workouts and everything. But this team has always played people tough. Um, I, I think that this is kind of one of those – I'm not going to put Penn State on upset alert, but I'm going to say this game is going to be a lot closer than what people think, in my opinion. Uh, this is one of my like, – like, I, I would call it my intriguing game of the weekend um, because I think this Penn State team has a lot to prove. They always get rated high. They've never been able to finish a season. Um, so let's see, let's see what they can do. I mean, they only like. I think last season they only beat Indiana by seven. Um, so I mean, it'll be interesting to see if they can prove uh, prove us wrong. Um, and yeah, Penn State hasn't really been around 
um, the top end of uh, college football in almost a decade, I think, maybe. Um, and so coming out into this uh, season, they might be already out their top running back of the season. Um, you know, we'll see how that plays into this game. I mean, they are ranked uh, top 10, so obviously they have uh, – you know, uh, I'm excited to see this defense. They, uh, they've they had a lot of talk about that secondary that should uh, be able to lock down any kind of deep routes or slot passes. So, you know, I'm going to catch this game on, and we're going to move on. All right, and we'll, we'll, stick, we'll stick with the Big Ten. There's a few more matchups that are pretty intriguing. Uh, you have uh, Ohio State um, getting their – I would call this a warm-up game against Nebraska um, – I know that there's a lot of ho- uh, high expectations for Justin Fields this year, uh, projected to be, you know, the top two quarterbacks taken um, between him and Trevor Lawrence, um, especially with Trey Lance sitting out. This is kind of a very important season for him. If he can come out, show that he solidify himself as the second best uh, quarterback coming out of the, the draft, you know, who knows if, if Trevor Lawrence does decide to uh, sit out, then you never know. We could be talking about, Justin Fields going to the uh, to the New York Jets, which will that that'll be an interesting fit for any quarterback that decides to uh, you know take that chance. Yeah, how we'll say that. But the game I'm most intrigued about this week is this Iowa State Oklahoma State. I know we kind of previewed it last week, saying that if Oklahoma State won, this would be their test, and it's here. And it's going to be a slobber knocker, if I had to guess. Yeah, I'm. I'm a big. Um, I you know I don't often cheer for cheer for teams who are in the same um, the same uh, conference as as my my favorite teams. But I am a big big fan of uh, of Mr. Brock Purdy, the uh, quarterback for Iowa State. Um, he's one of those guys where. I mean, his completion his completion percentage is kind of lower than uh, than a lot of uh, a lot of the name name quarterbacks that you'll hear. But I mean, right now they're co- coming in averaging about thirty a game. I think that they're really gonna if they really want to win this game, they're gonna have to get the pass game going. I think that this game the, the will all depend on how Brock Purdy plays. He played phenomenal against Oklahoma and Texas Tech and TCU. Kind of. Uh, you know, really important for him to get it, get it going. Obviously, start of the season with a you know a, a tough a tough loss. Um, it really bounced back. I mean, that I don't know if you got to watch them week one when they played uh, Louisiana, but they they really bounced back um, that against TCU and then kept that momentum going. And I I mean I know that the ESPN's uh, power index says that uh, they have a twenty six percent chance, but I give them more of a forty percent chance. Uh, this Iowa State team is no joke. Um, they're gonna be a spoiler, I'm sure. Um, I, I don't think that any team from the Big 12, and I'll say it right now, no Big 12 team makes the college football playoff, um, even though they play more games than the Big 10. If you have a Ohio State team sitting there with like even one loss in their schedule, I could totally see them making it over a one to two loss Big 12 team. Yeah, and that just comes down to power index and being one of the top end high-end tiers of uh, schools that play college football. But I want to mention, I'm really excited to watch Xavier Hutchinson in this game. Um, 
he has been on a hot streak as of late, uh, especially in the month of October. I mean, he has over 300 yards currently in the past two games. Uh, so we'll see how – see if he can torch some of this Oklahoma State defense because, I mean, him and Mr. Purdy have quite the chemistry going, and I think they're going to carry this through this game and project them over Oklahoma State. Yeah, and just flipping it to the other side, um, uh, basically the, the it's a tale of two teams. Um, you have one, uh, the Iowa State team, who really relies on the arm of Brock Purdy to win them games. Um, and then you flip it to Oklahoma State, who has, you know, Chubba Hubbard, which is one of the best running back names in college football. Um, and, I mean, they kind of go they, – they live and die by him. Um, a lot of people, you know, when he decided to come back, um, it, it, was, it was a um, – or not, not, excuse me, whenever he was healthy this year, um, it was kind of interesting to see um, his, his progression through, throughout the years. And he's really uh, kind of solidified himself as one of the big 12 backs who, you know, I mean, big 12 is really not known for their uh, rushing attacks usually, but I mean, he's definitely one to keep your eye on come late season. If, if he keeps trending upwards, he, they could be uh, one of those names that you're talking about uh, for the Heisman. That's respectable. Um, why don't we take it to a team? We haven't really talked much about this uh, college season. But someone that's really not playing great football, they managed to keep squeaking by games, and that is Notre Dame. What do you think about their play so far this season? Well, Notre Dame um, finally, uh, you know, listened to everybody who's ever told them anything and decided to, you know, uh, schedule some conference games with them joining the ACC. Um it's it's a really good good for them. Um, unfortunately, that means that they have to go up against Clemson and against uh, you know a couple of teams who are kind of under under the uh, under everybody's radar as well um, in the ACC. But it this this Notre Dame team it's it's always interesting to put your faith in a Notre Dame team because. Every year you put your faith in them. They find a way to win, you know, win some games. Like they, I, I mean, they really haven't played anybody yet. Um, obviously they killed UC, US, USF. Um, you know, they played Duke fairly close. FSU, they, they beat by uh, two touchdowns. And then they squeaked out a win against Louisville. It, it's going to be, this, this pit team is no joke. I mean, they, they, may, they may have a three and three record. But that three and three record also includes a win uh, over Louisville by three points, which is only you know obviously one point less than what Notre Dame did. They lost in overtime to Boston College. They lost to a ranked NC State team, and then they also lost to a ranked Miami team. So this this Pitt team is no joke. I this is one of those games where yeah, on paper it looks like Notre Dame should roll over them, but I don't think I think this is another game that's it, just like I was talking about uh, with that. Uh, Indiana team I think it's one of those games that's going to be a lot closer than people think and you know if it's a close game late I mean Kenny Pickett the uh, the, the senior has something to prove this year so uh, you know he's got to win these close games uh, since they, they they're coming off of uh, that overtime the, or the last the last close game they played was that overtime game I, I think I mean I think Pitt should be confident going into this game should we be on upset alert for this game 
You know, I I don't like you know calling all of these you know ranked games, but this season, you know, with how the se- how the season just was structured and everything, um, I mean, you got all these these ranked teams that haven't even played a game. I mean, I think, I mean, I think it'd be more important to make the list of people who aren't on upset alert. You know, you got like Clemson is not really. I wouldn't. I mean, Kansas State's not on upset alert. Uh, I mean, Alabama. Man, there's just – I mean, everybody else, though, with it, just the way the season's been going, I mean, I wouldn't put Miami on upset alert. Uh, but, I mean, any any of the other ranked teams could could lose any at any given week. Yeah, and the whole – and like you were saying, the whole upset alert in this season, and that's going to lead me into our next game, um, because you wouldn't really expect this to be considered an upset alert because – this number nine Cincinnati team is only three and zero, but this number sixteen SMU is five and zero. So, you know how Cincinnati is actually ranked higher than SMU currently is probably just based off of the strength of schedule, which still I'm not sure if that's even correct. But would this even be considered an upset if SMU wins? You know, it's I would not necessarily consider either of these team losing, or I mean, obviously the higher ranked team losing in this game an upset um, with this early season. Anytime two ranked opponents go against each other, unless there's a clear significant talent gap where towards the end of the season where you have like maybe a you have like maybe an eight and three team who's sitting there ranked twenty fourth in the nation versus like a number two, number three team who's undefeated. Um, so like these early games between undefeated teams. I, you know, you really can't say that they're on upset alert. Um, like I said, with this game, I'm, I'm still rolling with my boys. Um, like I said, SMU is definitely my second favorite team. Um, the, uh, the place where Texas quarterbacks go to finish their careers. Um, I mean, Cincinnati is obviously going to be favored in this. Um, but I think that they've been kind of turnover prone in their first few games. And I think that SMU's defense is definitely going to take advantage of that. And I think that they find a way, um, especially, you know, you know, there's a lot of pressure on them, you know, coming off two back-to-back three-point victories. I think it's important for SMU to strike early and often. And I think that uh, I think that Shane will make sure that happens. Um, and there's just a couple games I want to catch back up on. And one being this NC State-North Carolina in – state rivalry game um what are your thoughts on these two teams playing well you know last week unfortunately i didn't get the opportunity to talk about this north carolina team and last week i ironically is the week that i picked them to lose and i was gonna put them on upset alert but you know you kind of just didn't even talk about them um, but like I said, I think that this North Carolina team is definitely because of the lack of Pac-12 teams. You know, they can't they can't ride the coattails of Oregon and USC until they're like have like five losses and they finally take them out of the top twenty-five. Um, they can't do that this year, so they have to put some teams who normally wouldn't be in there, which is why you see all these ACC teams. Um, yeah, obviously, all of these Big Ten teams, if they win, you know, the first game, they'll probably be thrown into the top twenty-five. Um, there's a lot of teams who you just wouldn't expect to be there. You know, Virginia tech probably won't be there very much longer. Uh, you know, the ranking system is definitely like, a little fluky right now. I like, uh, you know, I like this NC state team as well, but I also don't think they really deserve to be 
where they're at right now. I mean, they definitely have a better game. Like they have a better, they have, I mean, they lost to a ranked Virginia tech team, but that same Virginia tech team got beat by uh, North Carolina. So it's one of those coin flip games. I got North Carolina getting back in the W column, but it's, it's going to be one of those coin flip games. It could go either way. Yeah. And I'm going to say North Carolina is going to edge this one out. Um, I said they won by two touchdowns. I think it's going to start out close, but I think North Carolina is going to find their groove and just kind of pull away at the towards halftime. And then once second half starts, it just becomes two touchdown game the rest of this way. Now, probably the most anticipated game this weekend, I think you could agree with this, is the Michigan Minnesota game. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with obviously Big Ten coming back. You know, two fairly decent teams that have had a success in the last few years. Um, obviously, this is kind of a huge game for Michigan because they don't win here. They're not going to make the college football playoff. Um, I'll say that right now because there's no way that they're going to beat Ohio State until they get rid of um, Coach Harbaugh. Um, but I think that it, when it comes down to this game, it's going to be who can figure out how to slow down the other's rushing attack. And I think that, you know, Big Ten has always been preached, you know, defense, defense, defense. And I think it's, it's, it's going to be very, very, very important this, this, in this game uh, with Minnesota uh, relying on the ground game um, to really get that play-action pass going that was made them so successful last year. So I don't, you know what, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Minnesota just because I've always known, you know, Michigan to choke games that they're supposed to win. So, you know what, I'll go Minnesota. And I'll pick, actually I'll phrase that. I'll, I'm picking Minnesota because my roommate is from Minnesota. Oh, well, that really, that really sways it in his favor, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean... But no, I, I, I think Minnesota probably, this is their game to lose, uh, uh, my opinion. I mean, they have Tanner Morgan coming back as quarterback, Rodney Smith coming back as rushing guards. Both had pretty good seasons last year. However, I do think that the main focus should be on this receiving core. I mean, last season you had two receivers go for almost 1,500 yards. That is something you don't really see is having a number one and number two receiver in college football. Usually you just hear about uh, the number one receiver going for, you know, 200 yards a game or something like that. But the fact that you have two receivers that can get it done for you um, makes this offense kind of sort of more balanced than most attacks as you see. And I mean, this defense is still, they have, you know, 10 returning players coming back and I think they're really going to make a difference this season for them but all right what other games you got going um on so I would like to you know maybe maybe with the weird season that we're having I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make this kind of a week a weekly thing on Fridays is we're going to pick one team that nobody has probably heard anything about and talk about them and I think we're both in agreement this this week that uh, when you click on ESPN tab, go to the N, uh, you know the NCAA football tab, and you click on it, 
and you look at the top 25 teams and you're scrolling through, you see Wisconsin, you see Clemson, North Carolina, Ohio State, and then you have this team called Coastal Carolina University. I was just covering that team. And, and, you know, obviously with the, you know, lack of schedule for the Pac-12 and Big Ten, they have an opportunity to be ranked. And, like, this team is definitely no joke. Um, it's sitting there at, ranked at 25 uh, with the, them beating uh, who many thought was, you know, a, a dark horse in, in, the, uh, in the, the, the bowl game, uh, you know, for that, that big-time bowl game was this, uh, you know, L- Louisiana team. Um, so this Coastal Carolina team is very interesting. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, Coastal Carolina, not really known for their football team very often, um, would That's be known for, college. if you've heard, if you've heard the name, you've heard, you know, the baseball team who have recently had a lot of success. Um, but this team's averaging 40 points a game. Um, they're really, they're really moving the ball. Um, Specifically through the air, um, a lot of the, a lot of their success, I would say, falls on uh, Grayson McCall, their their quarterback. Um, but he is a freshman, so that that also has to play that has to play into account with uh, fu- to um, predicting future games. But I mean, if you look ahead at their schedule, I mean, I mean, I don't see a whole lot that could really stop them. I think the only thing that can stop them at this point is themselves. Um, maybe that maybe that Appalachian State game because Appalachian State usually plays you know really 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 well and you know they, they obviously they're not ranked because they had a tough loss to Marshall who Marshall is now ranked uh, at 22 so you know it's it, I think there, there's no reason why Coastal Carolina couldn't run the table um, but I'd like to hear your opinion on what, what you think of this Coastal Carolina team. I know that I've only, I've only been able to catch one of their games because, you know, it's not, they're not really televised. But now that they're top 25, you know, hey, they're making they – e- they're, on, they're, on, they're on ESPNU this weekend. So I, right. I, um, I haven't – like you said, I haven't really caught the games. But after looking up, I did review some of their highlights and watched a couple of their games back. I really do like how this offense runs. Um, they're a sh- more of a shotgun type uh, offense. They don't really line up normal. Um, they do a lot of wheel routes and a lot of deep slots. However, I think that they will. Re- I think they're the only way they don't run the table is if the injury bug hits. And I really hope that doesn't happen now after I talk about this because if it does, y'all can blame me for what happens next. But I do think that. Obviously, we know they're not getting into a playoff game. Let's let's just be honest here. But I think, you know, they're going to make it into a higher bowl game due to them finishing unbeaten. I think the only – the game I would circle might be this um, – I think it's Liberty. Yeah, if, if, the, if both teams play the way that they're playing right now, this – their final game – of their schedule is going to be a battle of two unbeatens and Liberty just happens to be not ranked currently. Yeah. I think, I think the reason why Liberty isn't quite ranked yet is they have a slate of games. Um, not obviously, uh, not this weekend, but they have a slate of games where in, uh, three back-to-back weeks, they have Virginia tech. Um, 
they have Virginia Tech, Western Carolina, who's yet to kick off their season, but has always been uh, a relatively competitive team. Um, with the exclusion of, I think they played Bama last year and they got whooped, but obviously it's Bama, so that's understandable. Um, but they've been competitive, and then they have NC State. So I think, you know, between the two teams, obviously Liberty has a tougher schedule, so they should be prepared for that uh, Week 11 matchup, but we'll have to see. Um, but that, that's I just wanted to give a little love to the you know teams that you may not have heard of. Um, from the from the gridiron and i think that's the you know those are those are pretty much the main games you have a few games the other ranked teams that are playing miami uh who's playing a a virginia team who's definitely struggled to live up to their preseason hype um kansas state's playing kansas i mean kansas is kansas football be. uh you know i love i love kansas football uh you know less miles you know I I really thought he was the answer, but he's just proven that obviously it's really hard to recruit to a basketball school. And then um, I did mention earlier that, you know, Clemson plays Syracuse, but you know, that's another one. It's like, and I hope they prove me wrong, but you know, it's it's almost not even worth the time. Now we're going to be talking about this Marshall team, but you know, this Marshall team has to keep winning to, you know, keep up their morale but I think this might be the week that it, it all comes crashing down. Uh, you know, uh, Florida Atlantic, uh, old FAU, um, it's, is a very intriguing team. Um, they, I shoot, it's, it's been a, uh, it's been a hot minute since we've, we've seen them play, um, with them having, you know, the off week cause the, you know, Southern Miss got postponed because of, coronavirus and their first two games of the season got postponed so you know this is a this is a FAU team who you know had a no joke season last year I mean they're coming off of they beat this SMU team um you know it's it's going to be a really interesting matchup and I agree with you though I think that the Marshall uh Thundering Herd comes crashing down uh because I mean this team is coming off last season where they only they, they lost three games they lost to a ranked UCF team, a ranked Ohio State team, and they lost to them by 24. And they lost to this this Marshall team. But I think that they get revenge. Um, you know, they had a really good season last year, finished 11 and three. I think that they're going to get that revenge this this week and uh, find a way to come out of there with a victory. But, um, well, you got any other games you want to talk about? Uh, no, you know, uh, got to cheer on the, the boys across the river, though. So I'm going to be rooting for Illinois to get that upset against Wisconsin. But obviously, like I said, it's really not an upset because they haven't played a game yet. Um, so that's one game that is going to be intriguing. I know that uh, Illinois is, a, you know, only favored 6%. But, you know, hey, you're telling me there's a chance. I got a rhetorical uh, question for you. Yeah, what's up? Texas or Baylor? Um, I think, I think Texas will get back in the W column. I don't think, uh, I don't think that, um, I don't think they'll, they'll let, uh, they'll let them go down like that. Um, you know, a lot of people, uh, have them running the table, uh, are trying to run the table anyway. Cause I know that they're going to blow a game late in the season. Like they always do, but they're going to try to run the table and possibly make the number four seed in the playoff tournament. So it you know 
every week I'm going to pick Texas, even if they're not, not favored or, you know, because I'm a fan. So, but with that being said, it's, you know, it depends on what Texas team shows up and hopefully our defense gets healthy in the next few weeks. So we can actually start competing with these good offenses. Uh, like when we got exposed against Oklahoma. So I think that's going to wrap it up for our college football minute. Um, we're going to transition into our new um, little little way to spice up our Friday episode since there's not a whole lot to talk about. Um, we're going to do some Friday trivia. And uh, so the way this is going to work is we are going to um, each answer the question, obviously, and um, whoever gets the most right at the end of it is going to be the winner, and we'll just keep track of it week by week. And uh, we'll see who has the most victories um, come the end of the year. So uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll restart the records um, in December, and we'll we'll, we'll see who who uh, who can do it. So so we did. Uh, let's just do a practice. We'll do a practice uh, question, as you can tell by the first question on my screen. Um, so, so so yeah, the way it works is like we would both answer this question. Um, and we both pick our answer and then he will obviously click on the, the, the answer that he, or the answer that he thinks it is. And wow. we'll see which one, who is right. All right. So we're both going to answer first before I click that way. It's kind of, it's fair. <laughs> is that, is that cool? Yeah, no, that's fine. Okay. Yeah. Before you, yeah. Don't, don't click until after before, we both guess. Until yeah. after. All yep. right. So what Chicago bears running back was known as a galloping ghost. I, I would like to know the person who guesses Jim Brown and I would like to hunt you down and find you and just make you go watch Jim Brown highlights and tell me when that man was a called the galloping ghost and B put on the Chicago bears uniform. All right. Well, I'm going to go with Harold Grange. Yeah. Well, obviously because he's not sweetness. I'll tell you that right now. That's fair. And then that is correct. And then that'll pop up with the check. We got it right. All right. All right. If you get it wrong, it gives you a little. Yep. X. So, all right. all right. Question number two. What pitcher holds the record for most complete games in an MLB career? Okay. I th- uh, we'll alternate going first. So, uh, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I'll go first. All right. Nolan Ryan, I believe. Yeah, I'm going Nolan Ryland as well. All right. If it's not him, it's Roy Holiday. Answer says- I feel like it got broken recently. Oh, we're both wrong. Yeah, I feel like it got broken recently. So we're going to – Maybe. Just, and when we're both wrong, we're just going to try it. No. <laughs> All right. It was Don Sutton. It wasn't Cy Young, was it? It was Cy Young. Oh, my goodness. Well, we are failures right now. Uh, is- I, I didn't think Cy Young – oh, man, 749 complete games. Holy cow. I guess that's before they really gave him an innings limit. <laughs> oh, okay. man. I, um, I never knew we need that. To re- we need to regroup. That was <laughs> – that was a bad start. All right. All right. Yeah. Whew, oh, okay. Oh, for three in that one. What was the biggest margin of victory ever in a triple crown race? Oh, crud. Horse racing. I love this. Okay. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm actually, for those of you who don't know this, I'm actually very invested in the horse racing. And eventually, whenever I get a more stable, you know, income, I might get into that uh, industry. Um, man, so I'm, gonna, gonna... I, I'm going, I'm going 18 because I think that. I just I have this weird feeling that you know these races are always close, but I think that 18 lengths probably happened in like a muggy conditions, you know, mud. I, I'm going 18. I'm gonna go 25. So 18. Right. We're gonna go 18 first. 
Mm. All right, 25. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Boy, we are. This is a rough one. And 31. Of course, it's a long one. Oh, it's oh, the secretary. I should have known. Oh, wow. All right. Um, greatest races of all times. How did I not know the 1973 Belmont? So, for those of you watching, y'all can laugh at us because we're playing. We're doing great right now. Uh, okay. All right. Question number four What coach came off the bench to play for his team in the Stanley Cup finals? Um. Ooh. Hmm. I think it was Dick Irvin. I think it's Lester Patrick. All right. Dick Irvin? I'm incorrect. Lester Patrick? Okay. David has one. I have zero. For the Rangers. Question number five. What NFL player returned a fumble 66 yards to the wrong end zone? Yeah, now it's down. Now, uh, so obviously it's me first, and so I'm. Uh, it's Jim Marshall. That's who I was leaning towards. All right, yeah, because Leon Lett, uh, he had the famous Don Beebe chased him down and punched the ball out of the end zone on his because he started celebrating too early, as well as the blocked field goal they tried to recover that turned into the Dolphins game-winning field goal. Yeah, so he's done a lot of really stupid stuff, but this one, Leon Lett, you're not on off the hook. You're not, uh, you know, on the hook for it. All right, and the answer is. Jim Marshall. All right. David has two points. I have one. He tossed the ball out of bounds, though, so it did not result in a touchdown. So just like to clarify that. Question number six. Who was the only person in NBA history to be named MVP, Coach of the Year, and Executive of the Year? Well. Ooh. Well. Well. Hmm. This could only be two. This could only be. Uh, if you think about it, they can only be one, actually. Well, if it's see. No, no, I'm not. I just, I just kind of helped you, but no, no, no. It's it's a little friendly competition. I'm what? Well, I'm up one, right? Yeah, you're up one. Uh, the score's like what? Two to one. It's two to one. We're doing great. Yeah. Yeah. Is it my turn to go first? Yeah, I, I believe it's yours. Okay. Sorry. Um, I'm going to go Phil Jackson. Yeah, it has to be Phil Jackson. Larry Bird never was a coach of the year. I know he was executive of the year. Michael Jordan is an abysmal executive, and he was never a coach. And Bill Russell, I do not believe ever coached. Might have been wrong. I don't know. Who knows? All right, and we're finding out. I, I, I See, oh. Phil Jackson wasn't an MVP, though. That's the thing. Like, I couldn't – I like, I – Larry Bird was a coach. Indiana Pacers. He was the head coach. I I didn't know he was a coach. I knew that he was the executive uh, president of basketball operations for the Pacers. I didn't know he coached. That, I, to be fair, to be fair, he coached when when Jordan, you know, I like would just got done playing. So I, I was one, two, and three. So give me a little bit of slack on that one. But yeah, I, new things was, today. I, 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 I didn't even know that. I knew, I will see the thing is that Phil Jackson, I don't think was a very good basketball player. I mean, he might've been, i sorry, Phil Jackson fans out there, but I don't think he had a good career to be an MVP. Some of these questions, I, are questions I never thought about until today. What is question number seven? What is the PGA record for highest score on a par four? 
I believe you are first this question. I'm going to go 13. I think is I, I, I just feel like, I don't know. The reason why I'm picking 13 is because, you know, if you ever play the golfing games, they, they stroke you out at 10 at plus 10. So I'm going to go with 13. I'm going to go 10. I think we're going to I'm gonna go under, see if it works. All right. And, and it's got to be 16 then. Kevin Na played the worst hole ever, making a 16 on a ninth hole at the Texas Open. That would be right. a Kevin, Kevin Na thing to do. And I do, I'm not a golf fan. Um, I've watched Tiger and Jordan Spieth. And Jordan Spieth is only because he's from the University of Texas. Um, those are the only two golfers I care about. If everybody else, Dustin Johnson, I think is like, he's probably like the world number one right now. So congratulations. All right. So heading into question eight. You have a score of two, and I have a score of one. All right. Hey, wait. Plenty of, plenty of, plenty of life left. we got three questions left. Anybody? All right. Question eight. What country won the first World Cup? It, all right. This is you. I'm going to say Argentina. I think, it's only, I think there could be only two answers, but we've also been wrong a lot today. You know, I could see. So I, I, you know, I'm not an avid, avid soccer fan, as many of you guys have probably already know this. Um, and I only watch, you know, World Cup. You know, I watch Bayern Munich, and pretty much that's about it. And maybe during the Olympics. Um, but you know, I think because of this, the way soccer is, I have this weird feeling that the first World Cup happened, and it was like a Europe team. So I'm going, I'm going Switzerland. You're going Switzerland? All right. Yeah. Argentina? Incorrect. And it's probably Brazil because they've been a powerhouse for years, but. Switzerland? Incorrect. Brazil? Uruguay. You know what? It would have been the last one I would have guessed. They beat they beat Argentina, so you're close. I was. Uh, in, the, yeah. in the first World Cup, uh, spectators 4 and 2 in a rematch of the 1928 Olympic gold medal. Of course, Uruguay was a powerhouse in the 19. 19- 28 who would have thunk it i i did it all right question nine what year did china win its first olympic medal mm. this is going to be basically a guess in, a shot in the dark here i i'm going to see i have this weird feeling you know with everything that was going on with them i have this gut feeling you know 52 um, I don't think it was ni- I don't think it was 36 it's just too early. I'm going 1968. Okay. I mean, I'm probably wrong. If I'm but... not if I'm not if I'm not right you're right. I don't think it's right. 80 it couldn't be 84. There's no way. I mean I know they're they're like this the biggest books... they're they're the biggest country and but I know they're just historically not like historically until recently they've been really bad at things but you know then they take like 13 year olds and put them in gymnastics and they win so See, I wish they told us what Olympics. What, what the sport it was? But, yeah, whether it was summer or winter. <laughs> okay, that's but, fair. But I don't think 19... they would win a winter. I mean, hey, you never know. Like, it... Maybe. 1952 is incorrect? <laughs> it was 84, wasn't it? It was 84. Yeah, see, look at that. That's what I'm saying. They win 101 medals now. It's like, what the heck? So they win it, it was single medal until 84. That's crazy. All right, heading into question 10. 
You thank still God. have a score thank, of two. Thank God I don't have to answer first on this one. And I have a score of one. Mm-hmm. Um, I already know what my answer is. But question 10. Who hit an underhand serve to defeat Ivan Lendl for the 1989 French Open title? My answer, Jim Courier. And I'm actually fairly confident in this answer. Interesting. Well, that kind of, you know, you're interested. You're, you're very, there's something that's just telling me to take Mott's, I think it's Mott's villain. Mott's Willander? Yeah. All right. And the answer is, oh, I probably should stop answering questions. All right. <laughs> Michael Chang, of course it is. The teenager, Michael Chang. Who would have thought it? Uh, And after an abysmal round one, I'm up, what, 2-1? 2-1. All right. This is the the second and final round. Double the points. Here we go. All right. Question 11. Who is the most decorated Olympian of all time? Oh, man. I think this has got to be... Mary Lou Retton, right? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's actually me first, so I'm going to go with Michael Phelps. Of all time, though. Oh, it could be a Russian. That Russian dude, I guess. Yeah. Probably- uh, I, I didn't see – it didn't say American. Ha. I'm assuming he's Russian, by the way. Sorry for all the Russian viewers out there. Pavo? Pavo? Pavo just has this away. All right, you know uh, what? I'm going to go the homeboy, Michael Phelps. I don't, I don't know. I'm just going Phelps. It's probably Pavo because, you know, but I know it's not the other two. I, I know what they're famous for, but it's not them. I'm going to go Michael Phelps as well. Why not? All right. Good call. Yeah. All-time record. I thought he had the – I mean, he held the Olympic record for most Olympics. So like a medal. So I like I assume that you can't be a more decorated Olympian than the Olympic record holder. However, the thing that threw me off though was the word it was just Olympian. I was like, I was like, oh yeah, this Pavo dude's probably like a 1920s like Well, thing. this is probably yeah, like okay. <laughs> yeah. E- e- easy right. enough. All right. Well, so we both got it right. So, so I got I got four still up points. by one. Yep, four to three. No, it's three two. No, it's double points. Oh, double points for this round. You're right. Question 12. What MLB player retired with the same number of home runs as his father? Ooh. Thank God I don't have to answer this one first because I think I know what it is, but I also don't. Ah. Yeah. I'm going to go with Roberto Alomar. Prince Fielder. Okay. And the survey says? Due to injury, he finished with the same amount as his father. Cecil. Okay. It is now. Whoa. Yep. It is 6'3". Great. It's my actual height, guys. 6'3". Question 13. Which of the following NFL coaches has the best playoff record? I'm going to go with Jimmy Johnson because I feel like he was alive during the dynasty, and I think that they basically won, if not made it to the NFC Championship game that whole time. I, I'm going to go with Jimmy Johnson. 
See, I don't know how they do. I don't know how they do best. If they do most wins, obviously it's very clear. Like, but I think like best would be like the fewest losses, in my opinion, like the best win ratio. So I'm gonna go Jimmy Johnson. I'm gonna go Belichick. It's probably Belichick. You know, they're probably going based on fucking wins. So, oh, Barry Switzer five. Oh my god, he's five and two. (laughs) Of course, it's the coach who's only made it like twice. Okay, cool. He has a better winning position. That's the, that shouldn't even count. You should have to have a minimum of 10 games. Come on. Get out of here. Jimmy Johnson did have a – yeah, I was going to say, he's close. All right, question 14. Oh, frustrating. All right. Who was the first NFL running back to finish the season with 10 or more carries and gain negative yards? I do think I do know this answer. I probably do. I don't know. Maybe I do. I don't know. This is yours. I BS Jimmy Johnson last time. I think it's Darren McFadden. <sighs> Something tells me that it was him, and I feel like – didn't he get drafted to Oakland? Yes. Yeah, so I could definitely see it being him, Reggie Bush. I don't think <sighs> – I mean, I don't know. He could have gotten, like, injured. Yeah, no, I don't know. I'm going to go with – I'm going to agree with you. I think it's Darren McFadden. If it's not him, because I know Kajani Carter was terrible, but I don't think he was the first. I don't think he went negative. Was it Bush? Yeah, it was for the Bills. I, I yeah, yeah. Now that you mentioned that, he because he got hurt. He literally played like one game and he got hurt, and he was done for the season. So he had twelve rushes for negative three yards. I'm still done. That was hey. That was the uh, that was the year before you know we took off. So credit Reggie Bush for uh, getting us back to the playoffs. <laughs> Question fifteen: What is the record for red cards given in a single soccer game? I like how it doesn't tell you what kind of soccer. Game. I have this. I have a gut feeling, and I'm and I may be wrong on this. So I'm gonna do my math here. But I think it's like usually it's like two. Three, three. So there's like twelve. There's like eleven. There's eleven. Eleven people on the field, right? So I'm saying it's twenty-four. I guarantee the whole team, both teams did, plus a sub. Like everybody on the field got a red card. I bet as a scrum, people were. I'm going. I'm just for the memes. I'm going thirty-six. I'm saying they kicked everybody out. The the benches too. That's the benches cleared. I'm going. I'm going all. All right, twenty-four. Thirty-six. Yes. All right, he's back in at six to five. So wow, he's world record in a single match. Claypool, Claypool every, versus Victoriano. Literally, every substitute in some technical staff, <laughs> even the technical staff. The technical staff. He sent off all <laughs> twenty-two players. Oh uh, yeah, it was a brawl. I was right, so it was just the bigger brawl. Yeah, okay, that's fair. All right. Who would have guessed the technical staff would have got involved? Like what? I really want to go back now and look this up and see what happened. Yeah. All right. So it is now six to five. I'm back down by one point. Question 16. Which tennis player won 470 consecutive matches? Uh, is, that's you, I believe, right? This is me. I'm going to go with Billie Jean King. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Billie Jean King. Um, I'm going to go with Billie Jean as well. Of course, I don't know any of the other ones, so. Esther, the wheelchair. Ta- God, oh, come on, these questions. God, it's not even a, a Paralympics. So he won 42 
Grant, oh my goodness. <sighs> I'm glad we're only doing two rounds of this because I don't know if I can take much more. Question 17. What NFL player debuted as a professional wrestler in 2004? This is me? Yes. Okay, so I don't think uh, 2004. Was Junior say it? Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah, so I don't think it would have been him. Mike Dick uh, maybe could have just, you know, showed up and done something and be considered. Um, I, my gut is telling me that Brian Urlacher did, because I think this is roughly roughly around the time where the Bears were getting kind of good. I think well, they went to the Super Bowl, what, 2007? I don't know. Some, I, I'd have to look it up, but I'm going to go Brian Urlacher. <coughs> I'm going to go Ray Lewis. Oh, I would be wrong. He was the press. He was made a pro wrestling appearance in 2004 when the Chicago oh, Bears. Started, the oh, they forced him to quit. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I'm down eight to five. Question 18. At the 2000 Summer Paralympics, how many members of the gold medal winning Spanish basketball team were later found to have no disability? I could honestly, knowing the Spaniards, I could see them, you know, they really want to win in basketball, you know, because they keep getting beat by the U.S. in regular basketball. I could see it being 10. I'm going to go four. Okay. But you're probably. I, I just have a whole just a gut feeling. 10 of the 12 had no disability. Yeah. Well, no, I'm just throwing. All right. Yeah. Now, now I'm up by uh, five points. It's eight to what? Eight to four or eight, yeah, or, eight or eight to three? Eight to five. Eight to five? Yeah. I don't know. I lost track. All I know is I'm up. I'm up so up. I just got to get oh. one of these last questions right. What is the only country to have won medals in the Winter Olympics, but not the Summer Olympics? Well, we well, know one of them is incorrect right off the bat. I actually know two of them that aren't correct. But you're going first, so I unfortunately will tell you after you guess. <laughs> so I hope you guess one of them that is not correct. That is definitely not true. Will. I'm going to go Estonia. Estonia won a, uh, a Summer Olympic. Uh, I, think it's, I think that would be uh, Liechtenstein. Liechtenstein. Alpine skiers, baby. Liechtenstein. I, yeah, I knew Estonia won a Summer Olympic. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, well, this now is I'm frustrated. Bragging rights here. Just get, get this one right. Okay. All right. Question 20. And our last question today, I'm tired of losing. Um, how many world records did swimmer Mark Spitz set when he won seven gold medals at the 1972 Olympics? Your first. Um, I'm gonna go five. I don't think he set him at all seven events, but I know that he was really dominant that year. So I'm gonna go five. I'm going seven. Might as well go all the way out. Broke every record, and uh, I mean, it, it could be right. You, you very well could be correct. All right, it'd be, it'd be impressive. Yep. Sure enough, he won everyone with a world record. That's something that's never going to be ever be matched. Um, in my opinion, the seven for seven, um, definitely not. Um, obviously, his record uh, for gold medals in a Olympics got broken, but that was because of the team events and everything. So, 
All right, oh. so the final score was 10 to 7. Was it? Let's see. I got let's see. I got 2 uh 4 and just right there I got number 9 and number 8 right. Uh, I got that one right. This 6. I think you're shortchanging me points, but keep going. Uh we oh both God. missed that one 6. I got 6 points right now. And then I got this one correct. You got that one right. So 6 to 2. We both missed this one. Yep. We both missed this one. Yep. You got I got that one, one right. Eight. And we both got this both, one. Yeah, so that's ten. It's <laughs> ten to two was, right now. I only have ten points, and then I got two points in the last round, right? It was, it was two to one, right? Or did we – what was it in the last one? I don't know. It's fine. The moral of the story is I'm one to know. Yeah, I'm one to know in Friday trivia. Oh, uh, you know what, David? You know what we're going to do next time? Esports trivia. Esports. To catch us next Friday for all of your esports question desires. Um, but I think right now what we're gonna do is we are going to go ahead and uh wrap it up. Um we'll look forward to a really fun weekend of college football as well as an entertaining rest of the world series. Hopefully uh the Rays get it done because nobody likes the Dodgers. Um with that being said, we'll see you next time. Peace. It's been real. It's been fun. But has it been real fun? I don't know. I mean, it is when you get like 14 points in trivia. Okay. Now, now on that note, we're definitely leaving. See, see you guys.